Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. Hey, Wendy. Hi, Megan. How are you today? I am just, you know, phenomenal. How are you? I am, as we learned to say, you know, if you don't want people to know it's crazy, you just say, I'm unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't know if that's good or bad. I'm unbelievable. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Well, how's the weather up there? Oh, we're supposed to be up to 67, but I think they're just messing with us. It's like 33 and it feels like 25 and it's, it's really cold. Now we're, we're expecting like single digits later in the week. I know that. But what about the Ville? Um, it's kind of dreary. It's kind of warm though. I mean, it's not super cold right now, but it's pretty dreary outside. I'm not looking forward to that cold, more cold and more wet. They said this time next week, we're supposed to get snow and I am out. (laughs) You know, I haven't, I got to check ours. I don't think I've seen snow and that's so weird for, and it seems like y'all have gotten more snow than we have. And here we are in the panhandle. You think we would get it more than anybody else, but we haven't. You know, there's a real reason I don't live in the panhandle anymore. That's what you get. That's what you get for for moving to that part of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Snow just followed you. You you took it away from the panhandle. (laughs) Well, I think we have a good topic today. I agree. I agree. Um, It's one that, you know, we see a lot throughout the year, but to me, it becomes even more prevalent in the springtime. Um, And that is curriculum enrichment. Yes. And why the spring, at least here in Texas, we see it after testing happens. It's kind of a downtime for teachers. So it is a good time to go get into the school if you can. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that C word. I don't want to talk about it, but you know, it's changed our curriculum enrichment a little bit. Yeah, a little. Um, but I think before we we dive real far into this, we need to tell some of these folks because so not everybody, you know, might know what curriculum enrichment actually is. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So do we, I don't even know if I really have a definition. So I always tell people that curriculum enrichment is what we do to go in to enhance the lessons that our educators are already teaching. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, we're just we're just providing some hands-on education to the book learning that they are doing with their students. Yeah, and there's been sometimes mine went with the book learning. Sometimes it didn't. Mm-hmm. It, it really depended on the classroom, but it was still a, I'll call it a piece of the puzzle. I think for when we were working with kids and doing that. But to me, it's a, it's a fun part of the job because you can, and it goes back to what we talked about last week, Megan, 4-H youth development. Yes. It's not, and it's not 4-H and youth development. It's 4-H youth development. So even if those kids in that school aren't a part of the 4-H program, we still get to count them as such. We get to count them in that youth development. We do curriculum enrichment numbers at the end of the year. And what an impact we can have on those kids. So again, whether they come to our program or not, doesn't matter. We can still have a, an impact on kids that maybe don't come to 4-H. Yeah, and this is, a, this, this is a great opening line to get them interested in the things you do in 4-H. 
-hmm. because what's the first thing that you as the county agent do does when you go into the school to do one of these lessons you introduce yourself and tell who you are and what you do i always start with who's ever heard of 4-h you know and you see all these little hands go up and then i tell them a little bit about what 4-h is and then we dive into the lesson and then that they have fun with it they get excited about it and then maybe we plan to decide to get them wanting to be involved in our program yes it's a great recruiting tool it is really yeah. good so megan you said something right there i think that could really lead us to our next question and, and especially for maybe brand new agents that don't know how to get into a school Mm -hmm. What is the starting point for that? How did, I mean, when you started curriculum Richmond, you started in county, how did you get the school? And then I'll, I'll follow up with what I did. So I actually did it two different ways. Um, when I started an extension in the panhandle, I cold called the schools. I showed up to the school. Um, one of my mentor agents at the time, Wendy Hazard, told me that she put together a menu of sorts of programs that she could offer to the schools. So I did the same thing. I put together kind of a, a little handout, little trifold handout of all the different programs that I had at my fingertips that I could come in and present to their classes. Um, and then that was a, a starting point with those school districts. And so I, I just cold called, I just showed up to the school. I said, Hey, I need to leave this for your, um, your principal. And if they have any questions, just tell them to call me. Some did, some didn't. Um, I always followed up with an email to, you know, to say, Hey, just wanted to see if there's anything I could do for you, whatever. Um, when I moved to Ellis County, though, it was a different story because I already had, um, there was already some programs that were established there and people sought, sought me out more. And so that was, it was a, it was a little bit different. Megan, that's so funny. I was thinking that way as you were talking, I thought that's exactly what I did too, because, and I'll get into this more later, but Oak Elementary, it had been an existing program for years from Amy Baugh, who was the, per the agent before me. And so when I came in, I just picked right up with it and off we went. So yeah, if there's already an existing, you just go with that, but you're right. It was a lot of cold calls and, and you gotta know who to call. Sometimes it may be the principal. Sometimes you may have to start with the superintendent. Depends. Some places it may be straight to a teacher and then you may have to go back to the principal and get an okay or the teacher may say, well, let's go talk to the principal. I think it just depends on the school district and the school and everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, I think there's I think there's um, a couple of other things that we have to we need to take into account and maybe rely on as well. And one of those is your coworkers. Um, I know that in Ellis County, for sure, two schools that I got um, hooked up with were because they met my SCH coworker at a health fair. And so um, and then wanted some programming into their schools. Um, the, the second thing is your 4-H parents. Man, those 4-H parents, they are a wealth of knowledge. And if they're not a teacher, they, they all have kids in school. You know, most of them do. And so they, they have a, a student's teacher to call and say, hey, our a county agent can do this program for you. Do you want me to give you his or her phone number and, and then go from there? You know, I mean, great, great tools to have at your disposal. Uh, Megan, I'm so glad you said that. It just triggered my mind on something we had done. To me, this is a great point too, when, when people go, well, my lab, it's not very effective. We, we just meet to meet. I will tell you probably one of our best programs 
I won't say, well, I'll say I, I will attribute it to a lab meeting is, and it was a particular school district. I could always get into the elementary, but we were having a really hard time getting into the high school. And so one of our lab members, his wife happened to run the AVID program. And if you have an AVID program in one of your schools, get latched onto it. It's fabulous. So it was Slate May, who was on our committee and his wife, Casey, worked with AVID at Tahoka High School. And so I called her and told her what we could offer. And so I would go in once a week and teach her AVID classes. And, and basically it was a leadership program that went through the year and then we finished up, they could choose what they did kind of for their capstone project. And everybody did something a little bit different with the three classes, but it was a great program to do, but it, it came because of a lab meeting and us having that conversation is how do we get into the hospital? Okay. So you said lab and the thing that came to my mind when I was talking about that was the 4-H program area committee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, we restructured those a few years ago so that they would be a little more um, effective and more beneficial, but man, I, you know, I, this is kind of a side note to our main topic today, but um, you can't just put people on these committees to just put people on these committees. You have to put people on there um, that are going to be beneficial to your program that will provide you some knowledge and some resources and that um, are going to serve as an actual advisor to your program. Otherwise, why even have a committee? That's right. And for those who, who are not in Texas, in Texas, we have um, a leadership advisory board that kind of helps advise our whole extension program and then um, in each county and then e each of the um, disciplines has their own advisory committee. But um, again, man, put the right people on those committees so that they can they can get you taken care of. Yeah, it, it can make a world of difference in your program because just like that we would have never thought of, and I knew Casey, but I would have never thought of going through AVID. I mm -hmm. would have never thought about that. So yeah, put, get the right people on there and use those committees. And, it, and Megan and I say this a lot, sometimes our programming is just to get the check in the box. Those committees, yeah, we got to have them, but don't just look at it as, okay, well, I'm getting my check in the box and I'm having my committee meeting. Put those right people on there and, and make it an interactive meeting and let them have a voice. And I hate to say in, in your programming, I, I know a lot of times, you know, as agents, you've got your finger on the pulse of your county. Mm -hmm. You know, usually what programming that needs to be done, but sometimes you may not know how you're going to get it done or where you're going to get it done. You just have this great programming idea. Yeah, but they may also have a different take on that. Like. Sure circling back to curriculum enrichment, let's say you've, you've put an educator on there or a retired educator or someone who works in the school system. And you say, I need to do curriculum enrichment. And you say, I, I need to do these different types of programs and da, 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 da. And then they say, well, have you thought about doing it this way? Or have you thought about talking to this person? Um, they get sometimes give us such a different perspective on, on how to do things or how, what, how to go about them and whatever. It's so beneficial. Um, but again, you have to put those right people on there. Yes. Don't just put your yes men on there, put your actual good volunteers. Yes. Not just the ones that can be there just because it's a lunch meeting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I loved your, I loved your menu idea and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of kick us into the next part. But something to think about too, and I and I know every county is different. Every school district, you know, you may look at your county and go, well, my schools are kind of the same. 
I know in my last county, my four school districts were very, very different. So would I have necessarily in that situation taken a menu, the same menu to all four school districts? No, no. Now, in some places that could be great. Or if you happen to be in a county and some of you are, where there's just one school district. We have a lot of those in Texas where there's only <laughs> one school district in the county. A menu's good. Or if you know what your kids are like, maybe it is a menu, but each menu looks different. But I do like that menu idea of they can pick and choose some things they want and really get what's good for the kids. And I think that's what you have to look at is what's, and I'll say school district, but really what's best for the school, because you may be talking elementary versus middle school versus high school of what, what are the needs of those kids? You know, what is the makeup of the kids? What, I'm trying to think of a nice way, just again, I'm just going to leave it at every school can be very different. So I know when I tried to blanket curriculum enrichment, it didn't always work out so well. It was great in one school, not so great in another because it wasn't really the needs of the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I will say um, that menu option worked really well in Hutchison County. Um, it would not have worked well in, in Ellis County um, because there's nine school districts and within each school district, there's multiple elementary schools and multiple junior highs and high schools and things like that. And so that, that really wasn't an option, but what I did in that bigger County was I created a menu for me. And anytime I was out like, um, at a information fair or anything like that, I had that menu with me that said, Hey, here's just a sampling of some programs I can do. But if you have something that you need, if you'll tell me, I'll find a program to fit it and go, we'll go from there. But this is just to give you an idea of what I could offer. And Lincoln, I, I thought about this when you were talking about the difference in Hutchison and Ellis. And one thing we did not talk about in our pre-show meeting is curriculum enrichment can become a full-time job. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it may be that you as the agent, there may only be one activity, one curriculum enrichment thing that you can go to. The rest of it, it may be either volunteers lead it or it's given to the classroom teacher and they teach it. Mm -hmm. It just really depends. But you can't, if you're in a big county, you can't do it all. That would become your full-time job and that traditional 4-H make it thrown to the side because it can become a bear. Because once people know you have good curriculum, if you're good at teaching it, they're going to want you to come to the classroom, whether that's yeah. in person in the classroom or it's virtual or however that looks, they're going to want you because they want outsiders to come in and, and do some things where it takes some things off the teacher sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. it can be a bear. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, in some counties, they do have a, a person that is dedicated solely to that curriculum enrichment. They have a program assistant that that is their entire job. Um, but I will say that um, it, it's a fine line to let it overtake your job but you can't just not do it because you don't want it to overtake your job. You have to do a little bit at some point. Yes. And, and to me, it is something so different. It is outside the traditional that you can have some of that creativity and have fun with it and different kids and, and just mm -hmm. getting to know, you know, that's one of my favorite things too, is especially to Hoke elementary to get to know 
all the teachers on the campus because that program was done through the PE class, but to get to know all those teachers and then because I was an FCH agent, it turned into I did cooking with friends with the teachers at nighttime and they did freezer meals and it just it's funny how it snowballed into other programs in the school. So it, it was fun to develop those relationships and those friendships. I will say that for me, curriculum enrichment has always been one of my favorite parts of being a county agent because when you walk into the school after you've been there a couple of times, they start to think of you as the science lady or the lady who's going to come do fun activities with us. And so they treat you like a rock star. <laughs> and it is the best feeling in the whole world to walk in there and these kids' faces just light up because they know they're going to get to do something fun with you. And that to me is the best part of curriculum enrichment. I mean, obviously the education and the learning is really important and we really want that, but I love to see how excited they get to find out what we're going to get to do that day. You know, that's so funny. I didn't even think about that just you said that. I always try to, and this was, and I'll get into details later, but my, my program and I did it, I did it to Hoka Elementary. I'm a little tongue-tied this morning. I would always try to dress up as to whatever I was talking about. So if we were talking about the dairy group, I dressed up like a cow. If we were talking, one day we talked about apples. I dressed up like an apple. I really did. I had this red sweatsuit and I put this little leaf thing on my head. Like the top of my <laughs> but the first time I dressed up, I was the skeleton lady. We, again, we were talking about dairy, but we were talking about bones. And so I made this sweatsuit and I made it look like I had bones. And from that point out, I was the skeleton lady. That's, that's so fun. Skeleton lady. So it's so funny when you can, and, and to me, that's part of it that we didn't talk about in the pre-show meeting was if you dress up for what you're doing, you know, sometimes you got to check your pool at the door, especially when it comes to those elementary kids. Oh yeah, for sure. They loved when I showed up with some kind of costume on, and then they would try to guess what we were talking about that month. And so it just made it so much fun when we did it. And it made, it made my job fun too. That was fun for me is to figure out, oh, what are we going to do this next month? And how am I going to dress up? And, and then eventually some of y'all know me from Broccoli Rob. Um, <laughs> Rob was my sock puppet that was created at Tohoke Elementary. And I had a, a little puppet show we did. And Broccoli Rob got where he, he came on Facebook quite a bit and taught about other things. He taught about the flu and how to prevent the flu and yeah broccoli rob became quite famous as a <laughs> <mom> puppet <laughs> broccoli rob now resides in my office <laughs> that's awesome okay well i think that's a good that's a good point to to transition into some of our favorite programs i would i would like to preface this with saying that we do have our favorite things that we like our go-to um, programs and ones that we've just really enjoyed. Wendy and I both have those. Um, however, I will say that if a school calls you and asks you for a program, don't be afraid of it. If you have to create something, if you have to reimagine something, do it, man. That's part of the, that's part of the, the, the benefit of being a county extension agent is that we are not put into this well, they tend to put us in this box, but we can blow the walls out of that box and think out, think beyond those, those walls and come up with something really, really super fun. Um, whether that's reimagining an ag awareness day, or it's, um, I I'll say I had a school call me one time and asked me to do a, a program on soil profiles. I don't know anything about soil. Also, this program was done, um, via zoom before zoom was you know, our main source of communication. Um, and I, I had no clue what I was doing. 
but I learned about it. I did it. I asked questions. I put a presentation together and it was so fun. And the kids had really good questions to ask from that, that presentation. And so, um, don't be, don't be scared of, of something that you don't know how to do. So Wendy, tell me about one of your favorite all-time favorite programs. You know, I would have to say probably, well, I don't know. I probably have two I would pick, but I'll, I'll focus on the one I've talked about the most was probably Tuck Elementary. And that was started by Amy Ball when she started in, in Lynn County. And I just carried the torch. And it's real interesting. I worked with a fabulous PE teacher there, Tina Winchie. Shout out to Tina. And we also worked with the Shack, which was their school health advisory council. So they would even help guide the programming we had there at Tuck Elementary. When I first started off, it it really related to just food nutrition. So I would go once a month and we'd have a different theme and I would go pre-K all the way to fifth grade. But it's funny how we would, we changed every year. And Tina was always very open to that on, we didn't want to do the same things. And so maybe the next year I would go twice a month and one time was on food nutrition. And then one time was on physical activity. I'm still amazed by what the kids would do. And, And a lot of those were siblings of 4-H'ers or 4-H'ers themselves and especially when I made something at school I would get text messages from parents and it would it was pictures of their kids in the kitchen cooking what we had done at school the probably most favorite recipe was egg in a mug oh that's awesome (laughs) oh it's great because a lot of those kids were having to cook their own breakfast and so we talked about egg in a mug. So I talk about having some mugs fired up, up in a microwave at Tokyo Elementary because, you know, no class was smaller than 48 and the highest was like 65. Oh my gosh. So we, were, we were doing it. And so they get a bite of something and they all went home and they loved it and they would make it at home and I always did something that was safe for them to cook, or maybe it didn't require the use of knives, you know, something, something they could do maybe unsupervised because again, let's face it, there was a lot of these kids that were having to make their own breakfast unsupervised at their house. And that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, but probably one of the favorite things, and it's so funny, kids will still, if they see me somewhere, they will still ask me about this. They're like, Wendy, would you come back and do this? Uh, if you look at, there's various calendars out there that show different food months. So December, I think it was like National Cocoa Month. So I made a healthy hot chocolate and then we, and this is on my Pinterest board. We had this Christmas, it's this dancing Santa. (laughs) So we drank this hot chocolate. I showed them how to make it. And then we did this fun Christmas dance and those kids still to this day, I mean, that's been five, six years ago. They still remember that. (laughs) And there's several that still make that hot chocolate at home, but just such fun times with those kids. So that's probably the one I look back on with the most fondest memories. So Megan, what's one of your favorites? Well, I have one that is kind of my, my go-to program. Um, and that is Stomp Rockets. I guess back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014, Texas 4-H pa- partnered with NASA to for the um, either One Day 4-H or National Science Day or something. I can't remember. Um, anyways, I learned all about these stomp rockets and they sent us a, um, a kit to learn how to do them. Well, then I switched counties and I didn't get to take the kit with me. So I had to make my own and I did. And I kind of reimagined it a little bit um, and took these stomp rockets and I, I did them um, with a hundred third graders. Uh, I had about 90, well, I say a hundred. I, yeah, I had about a hundred at a time. Um, I had, I don't know, 
12 or 13 different stations set up. They had to work together as a team to build their rocket. We made rockets out of paper and, um, there's a pattern you can find on Pinterest and, and we made our rockets out of paper and had to make sure the tape was right and everything and use duct tape to, to cover the end of it and then um, go make sure that it fit on our, on our rocket launcher. And then we had Coke bottles um, attached to the end of it and that's what they stepped on. And so through that, that stomp rocket, we learned about um, working as a team. We learned about what it, what, what it would look like. Um, to, to build a rocket. And then we, we, I'm sorry, my brain is running so fast. This, I love this project so much. Um, then they had to put their, their rocket on their launcher and then they had to figure out how much force it was going to take to move that rocket to a particular place. And so I had hula hoops set up around the room and they had to get their rocket into the hula hoop. And so they had to adjust the end of it um, to make sure the angles were correct and they couldn't go past the hula hoop. They had to get into the hula hoop. So they had to learn exactly how much force it was going to take to step on the Coke bottle to blow the air to the rocket and, and launch it that way. Um, we did that a couple of times, you know, launch the rockets, whatever. And then um, once they, they learn the force and the motion part of it, then all beds are off and it's like mass chaos because there's rockets flying at, at every direction and they're shooting them at each other and they're hitting the ceiling and they're every, it's just so much fun. Um, but that one is one of my favorite. I've done it at 4-H club meetings. I've done it at so many different schools. Um, and I just, I love that one a lot. All right. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to throw in, this is kind of a sidebar and this isn't something we did in our county, not necessarily as curriculum enrichment, but 4-H, but Megan, I think something you said right there, STEM. Yeah. That's a huge thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to promote this right here. If none of you have ever looked at the website, Texas Alliance for Minorities in Engineering, it's TAME, is what it's short, it's TAME. Go on there and look at that website. And I've got that on, I can't remember what Pinterest board I've got on District 24H, but we can put it in our show notes too. But there's two things they do. One is an egg drop. If you have never been involved in an egg drop, and it's a great thing to do, even as curriculum enrichment, but they're also, I mean, this is a contest that happens as the egg drop. Another thing with that, and I can't, I, I want to say it's just called TAME. I can't read the exact name of it. They just had it the other day virtually, but it's a partnership with TAME and ConocoPhillips. They, they have an hour and you just have to see the contest. You just go on to TAME and check it out. They'll have videos of it, but they give the kids um, something they have to solve and they piece together kids from different schools. And so we did this as Lynn County 4-H. And so they weren't partnered together. So it may be a Lynn County 4-H'er with a Monterey High School student with a this, whatever. And they have to decide, okay, who's the designer? Who's the producer? Who's the manager? Who's this? And as a team in an hour, they try to solve the problem that was created by ConocoPhillips. And they're given equipment to do this. And then they have to present it to a panel of judges. Now, in normal days, ConocoPhillips would have paid for those winning teams to go to the state state competition to compete there, too. It's fabulous. So Texas Alliance and Minorities in Engineering, here's the cool thing with it, too. They'll take all their past challenges, and they have those up there. So you could piece those together to create a curriculum enrichment, or if it's a, you're invited to do a one-shot, it's a place to go find it. So I just, I know STEM or STEAM, your states may call it STEAM, 
That is such a huge thing right now. Huge. So go check out Texas Alliance of Minorities in Engineering. So we've mentioned Pinterest a couple of times. And one of the things that I want to say, um, you know, Texas 4-H has some great curriculum. Other states have great curriculum for you to go pull and use and all these different things. But I'll tell you what, Pinterest is a super, super helpful resource. I know Wendy has a board. I have a board that's dedicated specifically to STEM stuff. Um, and uh, go look at that out. Go look at those and and don't you don't have to re reinvent the wheel. You know, our, earlier I said, don't be afraid of, of getting outside your box and reimagining some different programs and stuff. Reimagining doesn't mean recreating. It doesn't mean inventing something new. It means taking what what you're asked to do and adapting it to fit that school, but you can find a program to fit it. I found one. Um, I had a teacher call and ask if I could come do a, a lesson on solutions and mixtures to their third grade class. I'm not a scientist. I don't know anything about that. I had to go Google what a solution and a mixture was. Um, science was not my favorite subject in school, but it is my favorite subject to teach to these kids through curriculum enrichment because I like to do the experiments. Um, but I went on Pinterest and I said, hey, I need a lesson on solutions and mixtures. And I found one where we got to make a snack with trail mix and we got to make um, a drink to go with it with lemonade. And we got to learn the difference between a solution and a mixture with two tangible things that they got to they got to consume at the end of it. You know, we got to learn how to do a solution with um water and lemonade mix and then how to do a mixture with all of our parts of our trail mix and and stuff and so that one was really fun one of the things i want to point out here though is that i can already hear the comments that say hey what about my budget i don't have a huge budget to to pay for all these supplies to get all these things to do all these experiments and and you know the teachers don't have those budgets either we know that already um, so how do you, how do you do these curriculum enrichment activities with no money? And, and one of the things I found on Pinterest, again, go check this out, but it's, um, it's a, it's a kit to do science experiments with everything that you can get from the dollar store. Oh, I love me some dollar store. Give me some dollar tree. I am yes. all about it. Yes. Yeah. And. And, and I mean, it was simple stuff, but it, you could, they had so many different activities with this kit from the dollar store. And so you, when you, when we talk about these different things, you don't have to have an a exuberant amount of money, take us 20 or $30 and go buy your supplies from the dollar store. Yes, Make all throw in something else with that too, I think. And, and I, this isn't curriculum enrichment. This is when we started Duds to Dazzle in Lynn County is it takes a little bit to put together a Duds to Dazzle closet as it has a closet I ask for donations just you know do you have extra fabric do you have this so even if it is something with curriculum enrichment maybe you've got a 4-H Facebook page and you're like hey I need rubber bands or puzzles or pantyhose I'm going back through things that I've done I need this and you never know two liter coke bottles yeah you never know who may donate that stuff yeah so we say to simply ask Yes, you just put it puts a call out there and say these are the list of things I need this year. I know I have some friends that do um hatching in the classroom every year and they they are very good at it, but they always put a call out that say, Hey, I need fertilized eggs. And there's always 
12 or 13 people that pop up and say, Hey, I have eggs or I have eggs or I know who has eggs or whatever. And they, those people will donate those eggs to you most of the time. Yes. Dependent on how many you need. <laughs> yeah. The power of social media. It's, it's real and it's alive. It's out there. It's out there. Um, do we want to talk a few more examples, Megan? Sure. I don't want to get real deep because I, I, I just, there's a lot I want to list. I keep writing things down. Probably one of my favorites that I got to really see through. It wasn't just having a group one year and leaving them. And to me, that's a fun part of curriculum enrichment too, is when you can stay with a grade and keep moving with them and things start to build. I think that makes it fun. So there was a particular school. It was, um, I actually started at, well, they call it New Home High School, even though it was eighth grade. Started out with them in eighth grade and I've worked with the ag teacher. Wonderful ag teacher there. I loved working with Seth Bryan. Went in and talked to him and, and said, let's do a leadership program. So I would go, oh gosh, I was trying to think with them. I think I went every two weeks with them to do a leadership program with them as eighth graders. And at the end of eighth grade, it was a pretty sharp group. And I asked him, I said, what do y'all want after this? And they said, can we turn it into a college scholarship program? So that's what I did with them pretty much until they graduated. They were the class of 2020, know what happened in 2020. But to go with them every two weeks and go with, I mean, literally from eighth grade until they were, I'll say the first part of that senior year and to work with them on college prep, career exploration, that was a lot of fun with those kids. Lots of fun. So, um, oh, I bet lots of scholarships from those kids. And that's something we worked on too scholarship applications and essays. And they knew I'd read their essays. And it was just a fun group. Now, I did have the luxury. It was a small class, it was one of the smaller classes at New Home. They had 20 kids in it. But wow, what a fun, impactful program. Yeah. Way so, fun. So mine um, comes, it, it's just a, a group of programs. I, in Ellis County, had the, the privilege to work with um, a small charter, I wouldn't say charter, small private school there called Pettigrew Academy. And they take kindergartners through seniors in high school. Um, and so sometimes adapting programs to fit a wide range of, of ages was a challenge. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it didn't really matter what activity we did. They all enjoyed it. And so for an entire semester, I found this book online called steam in the kitchen. And we did, um, basically science or science experiments or art projects, um, with things that you can find in the kitchen. And so we, we did, um, my, my favorite one from that was, you know, we've all done the, the Coke bottle with the Mentos and trying to explode those, oh, but what, this particular activity did was it took several different types of soda, put Mentos in it, and then you recorded um, the explosion that came from each different type of soda. And we learned that like club soda does not have the same reaction that Coke does. And orange soda doesn't have the same reaction as any of those. And so the lighter sodas didn't have such a, a great um explosion but the darker ones did and so that one was super 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 fun um and the kids loved it we also got to make our own colors and learn about the color wheel and and putting those things together um and then take shaving cream and food coloring and they got to make their own colors and so those are those are my two favorite ones that i did from that um but 
finding a school that allowed me to, to really think outside the box and really come up with some super creative programs was, um, probably something that I took for granted, but looking back on it is something that, um, was one of my favorite parts of being a County agent. Megan, you, you hit on something right there. And, and you know, we always prior to, but we about in these days and times, so there may be schools that maybe don't let you in the classroom physically, but you still may get to come on virtually. And so as you were describing that one, I thought, what a, what, to me, that's a program where maybe if Megan was still an agent, that she would put together that equipment, that, that box of items, and it goes to mm -hmm. the school. And then maybe she Zooms with the kids and they talk through the lesson and they would go out with the teacher and actually do the hands-on component of it. So a lot of our things don't automatically think, well, the school won't let me in right now. You know what they might, number one, they might. There are some schools I've heard of that are letting people in. You have to ask if they're not, then what's another way to get in there? Think creatively. So maybe it's something that's already recorded. Maybe it is a live Zoom. Think creatively and get in those classrooms. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the the things that we've talked about a lot is, um, you know, you can zoom in live, but uh, it's it's basically it's reimagining a program. It's taking it and not being defeatist and not just closing up shop and saying, well, COVID, I can't do anything. It's it's taking what you have and what you've done and what you know how to do and reworking it so it fits the needs of your clientele which at the end of the day is what we are supposed to do as educators we are supposed to educate our clientele however we need to meet them and um i, I think you know ag days are an easy one to take virtual go sit in the field with a farmer and either pre-recorded or do a zoom lesson with them and let those kids interview that farmer or you know go show them behind the scenes of a dairy or, or anything like that. Um, those are easy ones to do. There's also, um, a really great website where you can go, um, and, and download a corn curriculum that is already put together for you, but I'm gonna let Wendy tell you about that one. Cause it's super cool. Oh, it is excellent. Go to Texas corn producers and just go look. It's excellent. And if you want, there is a, oh gosh, I've got it somewhere on YouTube. If you want the link to it, where it's a description. They actually did a training for the 4-H specialist here in Texas. If you want that link, just shoot me an email. My email will be in the show notes. Shoot me that and I'll, I'll share the link with you. It's on our District 2 4-H YouTube channel, but they did an excellent job in the training of it. And it, it goes from K to five and they have different lessons for each age talking about corn production a wonderful super uh, super well put together so well put together so oh just fabulous i cannot brag on them enough so texas corn producers go check that out um i don't know did you want to talk about i was going to go down through my list real quick go for it just a few things you know one thing my co-workers always did this they would go teach quality counts to the high school kids they would work with the ag teacher and go teach quality counts. That's, and again, in person, virtually, all kinds of things to do with that. Another one of my favorites, and, and we really kind of blew this one out, was Learn, Grow, Eat, and Go. You'll hear us say LGEG. It's a big thing here in Texas. The normal curriculum is 10 lessons, but my coworker and I at the time, we took it, basically we were in the school every week. We traded off. And again, it was a bear to do, but very worthwhile and grew out of the, 
they were doing some after school things and it was six kids that then grew into a third grade gardening program that then turned into one of the 4-Hers that was in the class went and did a presentation for the school board and they funded the very first greenhouse that we built. We, we had a bunch of raised beds prior to, but they funded a $6,000 greenhouse that is still functioning. They're still building raised beds without even any agent support. And I, I, it's unbelievable to see a program that you built. And then when you left, they're still seeing it go. And I just, and other classes come in and use it. It is just a wonderful program to do. So we just didn't use the base. We went crazy with it and got big. And yeah, again, lots of time. And I'll tell you another one. If you'll go search Texas Tech University Center for Adolescent Resiliency, they have a curriculum called United Future Leaders. And it's one of those, everything kind of builds on the next. So I started it with fifth grade at a, at a school. And I'll be honest, I, this was one of my favorite schools to work with. It was Wilson ISD. And Wilson really didn't know where they belonged. You know, nobody really, they, they were in Lynn County. It's not like it sat on a county line, but people just kind of let them be on an island amongst themselves. And so I thought, I'm going to get in there and do some curriculum enrichment. They welcomed me with open arms and it was a tiny class. Their fifth grade only had nine kids in it. But what a great curriculum and just something those kids needed to know somebody cared, somebody outside of Wilson cared about these kids. But the Center for Adolescent Resiliency has pieces that then go through sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade on into high school. So go check out that website. Too. It's a good website. And again, if you've got an AVID program, and those could run from elementary all the way to high school, if you've got an AVID program you could work with, jump on the AVID bandwagon. It was a great program to work with. So I want to circle back to the LGEG. Um, school gardens are phenomenal. They're phenomenal to do all kinds of education with. Um, but you might be thinking, okay, so our school doesn't have a school garden. They don't have money to put a school garden in. I don't have money to do that. How are we supposed to do that? Well, you have two, two different things um, that I can think of to, to do that. One, get with your local farm bureau because they have grant money for that um, and are itching to, to partner with schools and the extension program to get that money um, to get those school gardens going. The second is with Home Depot. Home, Home Depot does some grant programs with that. And um, it doesn't have to be a raised bed or a full in in the ground garden or anything like that to start off with or a, a full greenhouse. I mean, you can start with some container gardens and then let it build and grow. Just like, like Wendy just said, they built that program up over time and then got the greenhouses and stuff. But you can start small with some, some five gallon buckets and some tomato plants. You know, I mean, it's start, you know, start however you have to do that. But there's two, two options for some grant money there. Megan, thank you for triggering mine on that. That's also a good partnership too. If you're just doing some raised beds, I know when Wade for, Wade Howard was my coworker at the time, he partnered with the ag teacher in O'Donnell, mm -hmm. and and so his classes, those ag classes, created the raised beds. They they designed it, and so Wade would go in and talk about design, and then it just it's again. I look back and just think how how that thing grew. And the very first greenhouse, which was not a permanent greenhouse, was from funding from Capital Farm Credit. They were doing a grant program and Wade applied for a grant and got one of those grants. So search out grants. They are there. And I know sometimes when we think of grant, we think this 25-page document you're going to have to fill out. Most of them aren't that hard. So don't be afraid of a grant opportunity. 
No. Uh, and, um, you said partner with your ag departments. I'm going to switch gears for just a second. Um, ag days are one of my favorite programs to do. I love ag awareness days. I love them in all the forms they come in, whether it's an ag day or it's a farm safety day, or it's a natural resources day, whatever. I love them in all their forms. I will say that not every county agent loves them because they're a lot of work to put together. However, um, we're, we're talking, we, we mentioned having a partnership with your ag department. There are some ag departments that already do their own ag awareness day. I know that I worked with a school district, um, in Ennis that the ag teachers had set up an ag awareness day to showcase different parts of their ag department. They wanted to showcase the Hort department, the, um, small engines and the, the woodworking and, and all the, the livestock and all the different parts of, of their ag department. And I partnered with them and went in and added to their ag day with a separate session. Um, one of the things that I was able to do was to hand out evaluations, pre-test and post-test evaluations to all of those classes. And so they coordinated the whole thing. I did one session of it but I got all the data from it and then it worked well for the two of the, both of us, the ag teacher and myself to be able to have that data right there that I put together and, and we, we worked through, um, but to show the school district how beneficial that was and how effective that education was for those students. And so it was a great partnership to have. So, um, Again, you don't have to recreate the wheel. These things are already put in motion for you and uh, a lot of the times, and you can um, build off what is already there. Partnerships, we've talked about that several times, but partnerships are key here to, to get, um, get this curriculum enrichment train rolling. Yes, and I'm sure we'll say this again, which I think we're getting close to closing up, but communicate with us on this. If you need some ideas, if you reach out to the lunchtime ladies and not that we know it all we may have to reach out to some other people but to me this is a great conversation that could really keep going mm, yes for sure for sure and i think that is a great segue for us to be able to tie this whole curriculum enrichment um box up with a nice neat little bow so um we always say reach out to us and have these conversations but for real we're challenging you now um to reach out to us and let's continue the conversation about curriculum enrichment and the different partnerships that you have to to get those programs started in your communities yes we want to thank you for joining us today the 4-h lunchtime ladies helping you build your 4-h program one lunch at a time Awesome. Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms. I'm not going to